welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. We started a couple of weeks ago a, a giving series, which is the first time we've ever done a, a message, not like giving more money, uh, a money series in the whole history that, that we've been at, at this church, which is over 25 years. Um, so we started a couple of weeks ago with talking about um, investing into things of eternal value with our finances, and also that it's, um, it's a heart issue, um, it's an eternal issue. So as I go into this message this morning, um, just, and if this is your first time hearing this, please go back and look online for that because what I'm going to be saying today is building upon that. So I'm going to be touching upon a, a sermon that is like, it almost gives a pastor nightmares when you want to preach on it, which is all about tithing today. Um, and again, if you're new here, if, if you're a guest here, a visitor, um, you know, there's never a good time to talk about finances and giving and tithing because the, 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 the social climate at the moment is so anti-churches, is so anti-giving your money into the local church. Um, so there's never, ever going to be um, a good time to talk about this. Um, and it's very triggering because I really do believe our wallet shows the state of our heart and our lordship towards the Lord. So if you're new here, this is the... This is the first time I've ever, ever preached on tithing. Um, so it's not like, oh, I come to the church for the first time and they're always talking about money. It's not like that at all. Um, you've just come on a Sunday where I'm talking about it. But I'm pretty excited about this. this is, I've, I've spent the most time preparing this message as I have probably in my whole life of preparing messages. I wanted to get it right. I wanted to get it balanced. And I wanted to make sure my tone in my heart was right as I preach it as well. So you guys all ready? Yeah. Notes are on the Bible at You're going to be wanting to take notes because it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, so, the origin, what, you never hear this word tithe, um, like never, it is only ever talked about within church circles. It's an old English word that simply means a tenth, like 10%. So, if you hear this word tithe, you're not quite sure, it simply means tenth or 10%. And it's not used anywhere else in our culture today except for in churches. The definition, and I believe this is the best definition of what tithing is, it's tithing is returning of the first tenth of our income back to God through the local church as part of worship and lordship. So I'll say that again. Tithing is the returning of the first tenth of our income back to God through the local church as an act of worship and lordship. So it's the practical, consistent way of demonstrating that we put God first in our life. It's like, have you thought about why is it 10%? Like, why is that like the magic number? Well, first of all, I, I pretty much failed maths at school, so, but even I know that um, like one is a tenth of ten. So it's, it's pretty basic, so um, God hasn't made this hard for us. But also I think, and this is, I haven't got any scriptural backing for this at all, but I just think 10% giving, given regularly and first to God, it really does keep the, the spirit of money um, and the distraction of money away from our lives. I, I find that, that 10% sort of seems to be uh, the right amount, but like I said, there's no scriptural backing for that, just my opinion, take it or leave it. Um, and there's another sort of a myth or a legend that's it's not true. Like people think, well... Um, the only, the only reason why pastors talk about tithing is because um, they, you know, they treat their, their congregations like minions and they just want a whole lot of money and they want their salaries to be huge. And, um, so it doesn't apply to them. It applies to everyone else but them. Um, they're just getting rich off everyone else. It's not like that at all. Like Me and Christy, we've, we've practiced the principle of tithing ever since we got married. So before I got married, I was really useless at this. I, I used to give to God, but it was like the dregs. It was like it was left over at the end of the... 
the week. And you know how that verse says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing? So I found a definite good thing with this, and um, Christy was like non-negotiable. So um, the, the, the regular tithing started when I got married, and, and we've done that consistently um, through times of, of, of need and, and abundance right throughout our lives. It's just been such an amazing principle we've had. So I want to say from the front, probably going to you know, lose my treasure and my reward in heaven for saying this, but you know, we absolutely do this. We tithe. We, we want to lead by example with this. And there's a, reason, a few reasons why I do this. Number one, I choose God, not money as the Lord of my life. So if, if I say, God, you have everything, you are the Lord of my life, you're the, you're the first in my life, and yet I put God the last in my budget, well, that's a contradiction that cannot be justified in Scripture. So that's the first reason. Secondly, it's a predominant view throughout the Scripture, like they say, well, it's all in, in the law of Moses. We are no longer under the law. As you'll find this morning, it, it predates the law. It goes right through. It's, it's this predominant scripture. Jesus never abolished the principle of tithing, which is interesting. It's the starting point, I believe, for New Testament generosity. Fifthly, because I love the local church. And it's the vehicle to see God's kingdom established in, in this world. I really do believe that. That local church is so awesome. Jesus said, I will build my church. He died for us. Um, and sixthly, God has promised blessing as a result. Like This isn't my motivation, and this isn't like even on my top five. But as you look through the Bible, there is blessing that comes out of obedience, no matter what we do in life. So it makes sense that there's going to be blessing as we're obedient with God, and we put him first in our finances. And lastly, I want to invest in the kingdom to come. Like I have next, known next to nothing about investment, but I do know that there is a kingdom to come. Um, and what we do with our finances now, we can actually pour it into stuff. It's not going to really mean nothing, but we can pour our finances and give into things of eternal value. Um, so those are just seven reasons, and I'm not going to like expound on those um, much more than that. But just to get, let you guys know that this is something that Christy and I feel very um, strongly and passionately about. Not to make people feel like they're stank or not to, not to twist people's arms, but we just understand that this is such an incredible principle as we give lordship. Um, of our lives over to God, which really, when you think about it, um, everyone should be doing if they say, God, I give you everything in my life. So, okay, we're going to do a journey through the, the Bible this morning and, and look at the parts in the Bible that actually talk specifically about tithing. So the first one is in Genesis 14, verse 17 to 24. Now, this is the first mention of this word tithe, or giving 10% to God, in the whole of the Bible. So if you're into Bible study, it's called Biblical Humanetics, the, the study of theology, um, you will know that the law of first mention, when something is mentioned first in the Bible, it is incredibly important because um, when that um, topic's talked about, subsequent to that, then it builds on the truth that we, we found at the start. So the law of first mention is important. So this is the first time we see about giving uh, tithing in the Bible. So therefore, it is incredibly important. So let's start the story, Genesis 14, verse 17. So um, I think it's the king of Syria um, is fighting these all these kings um, Lot, which is Abraham's nephew, gets taken and kidnapped. So Abraham comes and he saves the day with, with his servants and they overcome this wicked king. And then we see the story. So after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham, Abraham at the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, professor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth 
of everything. That's the first time we see this. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God, most high professor, possessor, sorry, of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and share and the share of the men who went with me. So I always knew this was the first instance of, of, of tithing in the Bible. I always thought that it was just a conversation that the king of Salem, which is Melchizedek, um, chatted to Abraham about. I never realized that actually Abraham was having a conversation with two kings at the same time. So there's the king of Salem. That's where we get Jerusalem from. Um, Melchizedek, uh, he's a servant of the Most High. I haven't really got time to do it justice this morning, but it's very strongly implied that Melchizedek is a representation of Jesus in the Old Testament. He represents Jesus because Jesus is our high priest. So we've got Abraham standing there and he's having this dialogue with um, the king of Salem, Melchizedek, but he's also having this dialogue with the king of Sodom. So Sodom stands for... um, you know, wickedness, hedonism, humanism, um, the pursuit of pleasure at other people's expense, like, like everything in rebellion to God. So we have Abraham, and he's talking with two kings. The two kings represent two kingdoms. We have the, the Melchizedek, the, the king of Salem. He represents the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And we have the king of Sodom, which represents the kingdom against God, the kingdom of this world, um, the kingdom of wickedness, and self-worship and pleasure-seeking. So it's very fascinating that there are two conversations happening. And in the first sense with Melchizedek, Abraham's having a conversation, but straight away Melchizedek hands out bread and wine, which again is the first time we see this whole thing about communion happen in the Bible. So it stands for and symbolizes relationship. So we have God's high priest represented representing Jesus in the Old Testament, reaching out in relationship to Abraham. Isn't that incredible? God wants relationship with us. And He not only does that, He blesses Abraham. Even before He does anything, that's, that's the heart of our God. He wants us to have a relationship with, with us and He wants to bless us. So that's one king, that's one kingdom. But the other king, the king of Sodom, What does he say in verse 21? Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. Pretty much the money can stay yours. You you can keep all your wealth and materialism and you can have that as a highlight of your life or an emphasis, but I want the people. Isn't that fascinating? So um, the, the symbolism here, the devil wants to distract us with money while he takes people's souls. The devil does not want you to love people. He wants you to love money. And God does not want you to love money. God wants you to love people. And this scenario is exactly the same today. We have two kings standing before us this morning. One wants to offer us relationship and forgiveness and blessing. He wants us to help him save people's souls. He wants us to love people and not be encapsulated, uh, trapped by money. But we also have the king of this world who wants to take people's souls. And he wants us to be distracted and caught up with finances. Now, whose kingdom are we in this morning? Whose king do we serve? 
the very first mention of tithing. Isn't that awesome? I've been so excited about that um, for, for weeks sharing that. Um, and then this is, this is pre-law of Moses as well, and we haven't actually got time to talk about it. But Jacob, which is the second mention of tithing. So Jacob has this incredible dream and this vision of heaven, and there's angels um, ascending and descending to him. He, he, he realizes, wow, this, this is, and he actually says it later on, this is the, the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven, and it's in Genesis 28, 16 to 22. And again, there's a lot of symbolism with this, so take it or leave it. But, but Jacob has this incredible vision of the house of God, and in the New Testament, like the house of God is where um, believers gather together. He understands that it is so powerful. It's the gateway to, to heaven, seeing God's kingdom come on earth through the local church. And as a result of that revelation, he starts giving 10%. Okay, let's have a look at tithing through the law of Moses in, in Judaism. And, and no one really ever touches this because... The, the thinking is, well, we are no longer under the law. And that's true because Jesus came. Um, he fulfilled the law. And in verse 17 of Matthew 5, it says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So what usually happens, though, is we think, well, we're no longer under the law because Jesus fulfilled that. Jesus took the curse upon us. So the Old Testament laws don't apply to us anymore. But we've actually got to look at it because it, the Old Testament is still in our Bible. We, we, we dare not rip the Old Testament out and, and all the regulations because all of those things were put in place for a very specific reason. God was establish, establishing the nation of Israel. And when you look at all these different laws and regulations, they, they cover um, criminal law and um, you know, how, to, how to run a government and money and medicine and health. You know, don't write them off. Study them. Like, why did you put these in here, Lord? So we are absolutely no longer under the law. That's why I don't think that we should be talking about tithing as law, but it definitely is a principle. But nevertheless, we can still absolutely learn something when tithing's talked about in the Old Testament. So um, with that said, let's look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 to 12. So this is 100 years after um, the Jewish people returned from exile. So they were exiled, they were slaves in, in Assyria and Babylon. And this is 100 years after they've returned and, and establishing themselves again in Jerusalem. So verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. That, like, that's always... Like, when you think you're all right with God and then he sort of says something like that, it's like, well, Simon, you know, you're, you're out, of, out of line in this place. Like, it's always hard to handle. Um, but I think we should be big enough to understand God loves us. And when he challenges us and convicts us on something, he just wants to bless us uh, because it's all about relationship again. Return to me, I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And then verse 8, classic one. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And then God says, in your tithes and contributions. So there's something that I've only just recently realized. Everything belongs to God anyway. So I've always said, yeah, I'm giving my tithe to God, but it's, it's already God's. So more accurately, I should be saying, well, I'm just returning my tithe back to God. So it's a little bit of a change of, of language, but I think it's, it's worthwhile. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation 
of you. So please hear me. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, when we give our lives to, to him, he took the curse of the law upon himself. As believers, we are no longer under the curse. But we've got to realize still that our actions have a, have a consequence. So how we live and, and how we, how, you know, what things we decide to do and not do in our life, they are going to have either a positive um, consequence in our lives or a negative consequence in our lives. For example, if I just decided to have a complete shocker and have an affair, like that wouldn't just wreck my life, that would destroy my, my wife's life and my kids. There is a consequence that comes from sin. And call it a curse or not, but there is definitely destructive consequence that comes from these things. And on the flip side, if I'm trying my best to please God and honor him with my life and put him first, there is going to be an onflow and a positive consequence from that. I think, again, because our wallets you know, really show the lordship of God in our lives, and we understand it's either, it's, it's not you know, serving, um, having God, uh, money as our master and God. It's, it's very strong in the Bible, as I shared a couple of weeks ago. It's either or. Like, either God is the Lord of our lives or money in, in this world is the, the God, God of our lives. So as a result, I'm thinking that the consequence of my life, positive or negative, I want to do what God wants to do in my life. I want to see the onflow effect of that. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Storehouse is the place where the food is stored, where you are fed from. So it makes sense. The storehouse symbolizes the place where you are spiritually fed. In my opinion, I absolutely believe that's the local church. We come here, we are fed here, hopefully regularly. So this is symbolically our storehouse. So bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house that there may be food in my house. Now, this is the, the absolute awesome practical principle of tithing. The practical purpose of the tithe is that God wants the church to be resourced so that the world can be transformed. I, man, I would be like, that is so good. I understand that. Local church is the vehicle to see God's plans and purposes. I love the local church. Jesus loved the local church. The practical purpose of the tithe is that God wants the church to be resourced so that the world can be transformed. It's really sad when you hear like churches have to you know, lay, lay staff off and there's not a, not, not a lot of finances going on. Um, and this is one reason why it's so good that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Like This is the only time that God says, test me. Like Other places, it's like, don't put God to the test. But God's saying, actually, test me on this because this works. And if you want to hear an amazing story about that, of an experiment that a couple of people did, one person chose not to give it all, and one person chose to be very generous to God, talk to Julian. Like Shout him a coffee after the service um, and talk to Julian because he's got an amazing story about that. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Definitely there is a blessing principle here. Um, but you know, I don't know if, if Bill Gates um, tithes and he's still wealthy, I assume. Um, I understand he gives a lot of a lot of way to charity. So, um, and I'm not going to put a whole lot of like pressure 
on this, but I absolutely, with me and with people that I know that have made tithing a principle in their life, you know, sometimes we will go through financial difficulties. It's like the, the question is, well, if I tithe, that means like I'm, I'm never going to have any other financial difficulties. I, we're going to have ups and downs in life. But, but as a character of our life, I've never met one person who tithes generously, and that, that being a part of their lordship of God, that the, the characteristic of their overall life has been poverty. I've never met one person. So this is incredibly powerful. For me and Christy, we have our ups and downs financially, but, but over our life, I know there's blessing. It's not poverty. We do not need to come under the spirit of poverty. And you can be, have not a lot financially and be under the spirit of poverty. You can have quite a lot financially and still be under the spirit of poverty. I really do think that tithing nails that, um, in my opinion. Um, take it or leave it. You know, like Simon says, I'm going to post that on Facebook. It's like, <laughs> go for it if you want. So that's in the law of Moses. It's worth a study for us. Again, we're no longer under the law, but there are some really incredible principles that we can take to heart. What about tithing in Jesus' teaching? Like, did Jesus say anything about it? Because obviously what he says is, is really important to us as believers. In Matthew 23, so this, this whole scenario, Jesus is like roasting religious people and, and people that want to be seen to be godly, but their hearts are far away from God. Um, and there, there were those um, that were in his culture and they were very immersed in, in religious things. Um, and they did some things very, very um, strongly and passionately, but other things they didn't care about. So this whole thing is, is Jesus saying, woe to you, because um, you, you need to get in line with your heart. So verse 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. It's like, like herbs and spices, like going into your spice rack at home, and like, okay, 10%, giving it to Renew Church. Now, don't do that, please. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin. So they were very, very specific. They, they, like the whole tithing thing was a big deal to them. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In um, the NLT version of the Bible, it puts it a little bit more clearly. Jesus says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So Jesus never said um, in his teachings, well, you don't have to do this anymore because this was Old Testament law and, and, and I'm going to fulfill that soon, so you don't have to do it. He actually promoted that, yeah, we should be tithing, but you can't do it in isolation. It's, it's a part of our whole life as being believers and showing the character of God to this lost world. So yes, we should be doing this. We should be showing the lordship of God in our finances, but also we should be showing the lordship of God in our relationships. And, and how we live and how we act in this life. Because God wants 100% of us. And if you remember back to what Larissa mentioned, she was on fire last Sunday. And this is a point that we need to understand. Lordship means everything. And as we give lordship of our life over to God, we become his problem. So he's responsible to look after us. But we always want to grab back that lordship to ourselves and like, Simon, I want you to be on the throne of your life. You have Jesus on the side as a bit of a joker or a jester to do what you want him to do. Whereas I need to be stepping off the throne of my life and saying, God, you are the Lord of my life. Not just in my wallet, in every area. That's what true surrender is. That's what true discipleship is. So yeah, Jesus encouraged us to tithe. So what about the rest of the New Testament? Because 
there was almost a switch, and that's why a lot of people that don't, they strongly disagree with tithing. They say, well, in, in the New Testament letters, we actually don't see much of this at all. And, and they have a point there. Um, but when you look and read with an open heart the New Testament and how the New Testament believers lived, man, they gave everything to God. Like 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1. This is how Paul's encouraging the believers. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so it's not just an isolated church, this is all churches. So you also are to do on the first day of every week. So the New Testament church practice was like first day of the week, Sunday, every Sunday. The first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside. So be deliberate about this and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. So they, like, especially when the early church started, it started in Jerusalem with, with mostly Jewish people. Tithing was just a normal everyday thing that, that people did. They gave their tithe into the temple. It was what most Jewish people did. So it was a practice in their life. Um, but that's, I believe, like the very this the starting point. Tithes and offerings. And the early church, they were so generous when the times demanded it, they gave almost everything. And uh, you can look into church history, and I'm just going to give one quote. Arrhenius, he was around a church historian in 130 to 202 AD. This is what he says. The Jews were constrained to a regular payment of tithes. Christians who have liberty assign all their possessions to the Lord, bestowing freely not the lesser portions of their property since they have the hope of greater things. So it's like he's saying, well, under the law, it was like 10% was the limit. But now because we are no longer under the law, we are free to give so much more than just 10%. (laughs) Well, that's good preaching, Simon. Like, no, I didn't hear that from anyone. I just said that. (laughs) And um, getting down to the nitty gritty, and this is my experience. um, So take it or leave it again. But I've talked with other pastors and leaders, people that are very opposed to the principle of tithing. Um, I've never met one of them that actually regularly give more than 10%. But then again, take that with a grain of soap, salt because you're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to know what your left hand and right, so maybe, maybe people just don't say that, but that, that's just basically a common, and I, I really don't want to know what people give, um, generally speaking. But like, that's, that's something that and, and all of the collective experiences of a lot of people that I know um, will say, you know, someone who's really anti-tithing, they're not generous. They are not regularly generous. So please don't be offended if you are. That's, that's great. It's just my generalization. But um, I just think, wow, New Testament generosity, we are not limited. We can go far over and above. God is the Lord of our life. Um, so I'm, I've been a bit of a stickler for the 10%, but Christy is so much more generous than I am. Um, so God is really dealing with me in this area as well because my tendency is like, sweet, 10%, done it. Like 90% is all mine. I can go buy another model tank now. All good, it's good. No, like God is 100%. Like if God owns everything of my life, which he does, then everything is his. So that's a huge challenge for myself. The Martin Luther um, is amazing, although he said some things that were really off, but he said some really good things as well. He said this, people go through three conversions. The conversion of their heart, their, sorry, the conversion of their head, their heart, and their pocketbook. Unfortunately, not all are the same. 
People go through three conversions, the conversion of their head, their heart, and their pocketbook. Unfortunately, not all are the same. And that is so true in my life, you know, as, as, as a young person, young adult, I, I really felt, I, I was brought up in church, but there was a time where I had to think, well, God, do I make a conscious decision for you? It was a head decision. Um, obviously, God was, was tugging on my heart, but I was reasoning with the Lord. And I, I knew what the, the wages of sin were, and I wanted to give my life. And I, want, I don't, didn't want to go to hell, so I wanted to give my, my life to Jesus. So it was like a head decision. And, and that's awesome. But then the discussion started with me and God, and I really felt strongly the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, God, Simon, do, you, do I have everything of you? Because it's all or nothing. So that was... It was a wrestle in my heart to realize that it wasn't just like a, yeah, God, I give my life to you. I'm a Christian now. I'm going to heaven. It was like, well, actually, God's got stuff for me to do on planet Earth. And it involves a complete surrender to Him. But then it's interesting, Martin Luther says that there's a third conversion. There's a third salvation. That's the salvation of our wallets, which is so true, isn't it? Like theologically, I don't think that's like sound. But again, it's all about lordship. And um, my heart, and hopefully you've heard my heart this morning, um, now, God's got some amazing things to do, and He wants to do that through us. And He does want to do it through the local church. I believe the local church is so powerful. Um, we're, we're a body of believers here. And, and so often, like I said a couple of weeks ago, it's never a lack of vision. It's always a lack of finances. So I want to be, in my heart and my conviction, obedient to the Holy Spirit and in what I see right throughout Scripture. Um, so please, like the Bible says, and I'll get to this in another, another message, you know, it's, we never are supposed to give under compulsion or under manipulation. Please, not at all from me. Um, please hear my heart. But just go home and just start to, start to share and open up your heart to the Lord. In Psalm 139, verse 23, 24, and this doesn't apply solely at all to, to our wallets, our whole lives. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievance or grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So grievous means anything offensive or way of lies. So, so we can be Christians and we can have areas that are, that are dis- deceiving in, in our lives. So, and this is an incredible prayer that we need to pray often or I pray it often. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.